0: Church, you can slip out at this time you go take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 2. It is a joy to be back speaking with you today. I know two weeks ago, uh, Brother Larry Rutledge, I know, did a great job while I was gone. And then last week, Bruce Landon did a wonderful job uh, talking to us about unity uh, from the book of Ephesians. And now uh, you're stuck with me again. All right. Luke chapter 2. And uh, you can put a bookmark there. We'll be there throughout our time together in uh, this series, as you see, called A Simple Christmas Luke chapter 2, a familiar passage of scripture. Alexandra Kuykendall wrote the following. She wrote, Every year I pull out my boxes of Christmas decorations from our garage or attic and declare, This year will be different. As I stand on the garage's concrete floor holding a mess of tangled Christmas lights, I wonder if I should toss the blob out and head to Target to buy new ones but I'm too cheap and lazy to make the trek out in the Colorado cold. So I unweave the strings from one another. I once again resolve when the season is done and it's time to pack up these lights. I will not throw them in the boxes in a tangled wad like I did the year before. She says the wads of lights represent how I feel at the end of the previous Christmas season. By the time I need to pack them up, I'm exhausted and done. I stripped the decorations off the tree and front porch and stuffed them in those boxes with a fury, figuring it will all be organized for the following year. Because by the time Christmas has come and gone, I want nothing to do with the holiday. By the time Christmas has come and gone, I want nothing to do with To do with the holiday. Those are sad words, aren't they? I don't want anything to do with Christmas. I'm done with Christmas. Have you ever thought about the fact that the first Christmas looked nothing like the Christmas that you and I know today? There were no trees with sparkling lights and uh, shiny packages and bows. There's no Rudolph or Frosty or even the Grinch. No parades or stockings hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. It was a far simpler picture, but much more profound than what you and I experienced many times in the day in which we live. In fact, I want you to look with me again at the first Christmas. Uh, You find it there in Luke chapter 2. And I want to read this morning, just verses 1 through 7, to get us started. Luke chapter 2 And let's look at this first Christmas together. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, or your translation might have text. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, Now, I wonder, beloved, how did we get from that to the stress and mess of Christmas that you and I experience much of the time? Overstuffed calendars, running from event to event and overstuffing ourselves, wrestling to get all the gifts bought and wrapped, to get the house decorated, the greeting cards addressed and signed and stamped while trying to watch all the Hallmark Christmas movies while doing it. How did we get to that point? Could it be because we've made Christmas more about us Than about him. We'd make Christmas more about us. Than about him. Now think about it. We're celebrating his birth. But we get the gifts. We eat the cake. And we become the focus. We wouldn't do that to anybody else. Can you imagine doing that to anybody else? It's their birthday. But you go to the party. It's all about you. And you eat the cake. And you get all the gifts. But that's what we do to the Lord Jesus. So many times. Uh, In light of this beginning today. And in the coming weeks. I want to challenge all of us. To return to a simple Christmas. A simple Christmas. You don't misunderstand. I enjoy all the festivities, too, and the beautiful decorations, and thanks to everybody here who decorates their church so beautifully. And and it's fun. I understand all that. But a simple Christmas, and you might be thinking, well, preacher, is that even possible? What would a simple Christmas even look like? I mean, our lives are complicated. Our lives are busy. We've got families and commitments and obligations. We are B-U-S-Y. We are busy, in fact, we're so busy, I read this past week about a grocery store that once advertised for the following position. They're hiring a new position. They wanted to hire a person whose sole job would be to untangle Christmas lights. That was the job. I'll share it says the job listing says the position requires a person who is genuinely passionate about Christmas and has excellent people skills. Uh, it says they must have the ability to untangle a set of Christmas lights in under three minutes. It also warns the job is not for wrenches. The spokesperson said, and I quote, a typical day could involve untangling up to 60 sets of Christmas lights, end quote. 60 sets of lights. Let me just say something just as a side note. If you loved Christmas before you took the job, if you took that job, you'd be a grinch at the end, all right? 60 sets of Christmas lights, can you imagine? But what I'm saying is this, beloved. If we're so busy, we can't even untangle Christmas lights? A simple Christmas, give me a break. Really? A simple Christmas? Well, hear me out. Give me a few minutes. Let me try to convince you about this idea of a whole simple Christmas. Look at the text. I want you to notice several things from the text, all right? I want you to notice, first of all, when it comes to a simple Christmas, that does not necessarily mean it's an easy Christmas. A simple Christmas is not necessarily an easy Christmas. Say, what do you mean? Well, you know, that first Christmas, while it looks simple, it was anything but easy, While it's not in the passage we read today, if you go back and you um, read in uh, Matthew chapter 1, you know that Mary, who is here great with child, who brings forth her child, she is a virgin, but she's pregnant. She's carrying the Messiah in her womb. She's betrothed, she's engaged to Joseph, but pregnant. Now imagine all the hardships that alone would bring. All the wagging tongues and whispers behind her back as she would walk down the village road. Even Joseph, her betrothed, had trouble with it until God confirmed to him that indeed she was pregnant and yet still a virgin. They were making wedding plans and dreaming of their life together. But God graced them and she was going to birth the long-awaited Messiah. But that journey would not be easy. It's hard enough that uh, you're there in that place as a virgin, but pregnant, carrying the Messiah, dealing with all of that. But put on top of it now, you have to make this journey. And um, it wasn't easy. I don't know why we have the idea, beloved, that if we love God and follow God, that everything's supposed to be easy. Uh, And that is an idea a lot of us have at times. Why is this happening? I mean, I try to do right, and I I try to follow the Lord, and I try to obey God. Why is all this bad stuff, these hard times happening? And maybe one of the reasons we feel like that is because we really don't take the time to study our Bibles like we ought to. Because when you spend any time reading the stories of the people in the Bible, you learn real quickly that the Christian life is not always an easy life. In fact, the truth of the matter is, if you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, a lot of things are going to be harder. You're going to live a godly life. The Bible says that the godly, they shall suffer persecution. And by the way, can I just say, we're beginning to understand that better in the place where we live. Because you all are beginning to see it. I'm beginning to see it. We're understanding that no longer people are people just saying, it's so great that y'all believe all that stuff. Now it's, I can't believe you believe that. I'm offended that you believe that. You need to change. And we're beginning to feel the pushback in a real way in our own nation. But the truth of the matter is, God has been telling us all along in His Word that if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. There's going to be hardship. And a simple Christmas is not necessarily an easy Christmas. Think about them. Now, think about the things they dealt with we just read about here. First of all, taxes. Taxes. Uh, your version may say taxes. It may say that they went to be enrolled or registered or take a census, and all of those things are correct. But the idea, beloved, is they're being registered in a census for taxation purposes. Uh, we went the other night while the youth were having their Christmas party uh, here. They had a great time, by the way. And uh, we, we took grand and went over to Memorial Baptist Church. They were having a live nativity. If they have it next year, you ought to go. It was a real real meaningful thing. They did a really good job at it. And you literally walked through the village of Bethlehem, and they did a good job with it. But the very first thing we did is we had to go in and sign in, and they gave us money, thankfully, to pay our taxes. And the very first thing we did is we went out and we paid our taxes under the watch of a Roman soldier who was not very nice. And uh, it was very interesting, and, and we enjoyed our time going through. But when you consider this, you know, when we think about these Bible characters, we think, you know, well, there's... There, there, they're not real like us. Listen, they're real. They had to go and pay taxes. And that makes them real to us, doesn't it? Because we all, just this, this, this week, it was so so timely. I stood in line in Wainsboro to pay my car taxes. And there I was. I was there paying my taxes. And guess what? Mary and Joseph, they had to travel and pay their taxes. But think about this. Not only do they have to deal with that difficulty, they, there's also the idea of traveling with a very pregnant wife. Traveling with a very pregnant wife. Now, to be honest with you, I know I worded that like a man, didn't I? Traveling with a very pregnant wife. The difficulty. I, I should have worded it what, how, ladies? Traveling as a very pregnant woman. That would have been the proper way of saying it, right? But regardless, think about this. She's great with child. She's at the end of her pregnancy, and she's got to make this journey. Now, remember, this is not 2018 we're talking about. This was not America. They didn't jump in the SUV or sports coupe and cruise over to Bethlehem with the radio playing, you know, Frosty the Snowman on there. That's not the idea at all. This was a journey where they probably walked, maybe rode on an animal, and it was about a 70 to 80 mile journey. And whether she was walking or riding on a donkey, either way, John MacArthur said it was a, through mountainous terrain. A particularly gruesome, grueling journey from Mary on the verge of delivery. And yet that was the picture of the very first Christmas. See, it was simple, yes, but it was not easy. And then what happens when they get there? No room in the inn. Now, we're not sure what kind of inn this was. I'm pretty sure it wasn't a holiday inn. But uh, the whole idea here is when they got there, there was no place for them to stay. There was not room for them. You ever stayed in a bad motel? Years and years ago, I remember we, we, we decided to save some money. We didn't have much money back then, and so we decided to, to use one of those 24.95 coupons. Don't do that.
1: <laughs>
0: Howard Johnson, is that what it was? You still remember? See, it made such an impact, see my wife. It just blessed her so. And, and this place is the height of luxury. I mean, green shag carpet, remote control in the wall, still had the razor blade dispenser in the bathroom. It was the height of luxury in 1966. I mean, it was amazing. But you know what, beloved? As bad as a bad motel might be, and you maybe you stayed in some, it's still better than no hotel. It's still better than nothing. Mary and Joseph go, and there's no room for them in the end. Now, beloved, here's the King of glory, God in flesh, Messiah. And he graces us with his presence and comes as a baby, yet there's no room. And so she has to give birth in a place that's fit for animals, made for animals, and lay the king of glory in an animal's food trough. Think about that for a moment. Uh, So much more could be said about that, but I think the point has been made. The very first Christmas was not trouble-free. And it was not easy in some of regards. Simple, yes, but not necessarily easy. Well, a second thing I want you to see from the text is this. Not only is a simple Christmas not necessarily an easy Christmas, but a simple Christmas does not always go the way we imagined it. It's not always go the way we imagined it. It says in verse 6 that it was while they were there. That's interesting. Don't skip over that word. While they were there. Where? While they were there for the census, while they were there for the taxation purposes, while they were there in Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Do you think this is how Mary had this pictured in her mind? Do you think as a young lady growing up, by the way, she was still very young at this point, um, but do you think in her mind, she says, you know what, I really want my first child to be born amongst the animals and laid in the animals' food trough. How many moms dream of that? I just can't wait to birth my baby and do it down in the barn. We don't think that way, do we? How many moms you know, I really want to give birth to my child far, far away from home. 70 or 80 miles might as well have been 800 miles when you think about the distance, when you talk about walking or maybe having a, a, a beast to ride. And um, these things maybe were not the way she imagined them. And we all have things in our life that don't turn out the way we imagined it. We had a a picture in our mind of what we wanted and how it was going to go and how all the pieces were going to fit together, but then all of a sudden reality smacks us beside the head. And things are not the way we imagined and things didn't go the way we had planned. And if we're not careful, beloved, those times in our life, it can lead obviously to disappointment, but if we're not careful, it can then lead to discouragement and even depression. Because it didn't go the way we imagined it. And we want things just so, because it's Christmas, right? We want, we want things just so, but things don't go the way. So what do we do? What do we do when things don't go the way we want or imagined or dreamed they would? Well, beloved, it's that moment we have to trust the Lord and know that His plan for our life is so much better. Trust the Lord and know that His plan is so much better. Mary, I would imagine, probably wanted a simple life with Joseph. Married together raising a family, a happy, joyful home. But God had a different plan for her life. Yes, it included marrying Joseph. Yes, it included a home life. But before, God had a plan that was absolutely incredible. The mystery we sang about earlier, that she was going to give birth to the Messiah. All God, all man, all together for all time. The Incarnation. Perfect God, perfect man joined together forever. You see, God was working out a plan that he first mentions back in the book of Genesis. Where we see the gospel being played out about the fact uh, that the serpent's head's going to be bruised, but he'll bruise the heel. God's working out his plan of salvation. In fact, he's working out a plan that was even before the earth was ever created. Because Christ is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And he's working out his plan. And part of that plan was to send Christ as that babe in Bethlehem to grow up to be that man, perfect God, perfect man joined together, to give his life upon the cross. And while it seems difficult for them to travel so far to Bethlehem and give birth, it was actually God's plan. In fact, look at Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth of me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. God so long ago in the book of Micah predicted that this baby's going to be born in Bethlehem. And this was God's plan. Now, we don't know if Mary and Joseph knew that scripture or not. If they did, I think it would have helped, don't you? To know that this is God's plan. But you know what? Think about us. We know some verses too. But how do we respond when difficulties come? Do we trust God? Do we really believe that He's in control of our lives? Do we really believe that He has our good in mind? Uh, do we really believe that He loves us? Because we have promises too. In fact, you think about the difficulties of life and things that go the way they're, we thought they were going to. What about this verse? Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Do we really believe that? Do we really hold on to that? Because you know what? Life doesn't always turn out the way that we thought it would. But you know what? God's plan is greater. God's plan is better. I wanted to be a banker when I grew up. I was a weird kid. I asked for a briefcase for Christmas one year. I would dress up in a coat and tie to run my bank that I had in my bedroom. G.I. Joe savings and loan. I had an early ATM at a box outside my uh, door. My brother was six years older, and I would keep his money for him. It's a lot like today's banks. I never paid any interest, but I kept his money. But you know what? That wasn't God's plan. God's plan was so much better. And I think about if I had gone my way, how different my life would have been And I never would have been with you, wonderful people. You see, trust God when things don't go out the way you have it planned, the way you imagine, because God's plan is better. Mary probably wanted a simple life, but God says, listen, Mary, I'm going to bless you above all women. People only dream of what you're going to get to do. I'm going to let you give birth to the Messiah. When life, not if, when life gets hard, don't turn from God. Turn to God. Keep trusting, keep praying, keep serving, trust that he's in charge, trust that he loves you, trust that he knows what he's doing, trust that he has your good in mind, and his plan is better. And everything that comes in your life comes through, it's filtered through his loving hands. I read a story about a 10-year-old girl, and she was going with her family and friends, and they were looking at Christmas-like displays. That's always a fun thing to do. And they were going through different uh, locations throughout the city. And at one church, they stopped They looked at a, a beautifully done nativity scene. And someone, someone asked her, her grandmother said, isn't that beautiful? Look at all the animals. And look at Mary and Joseph and, and the baby Jesus. And this 10-year-old girl said, yes, Grandma. It really is nice. But there's only one thing that bothers me. Isn't baby Jesus ever going to grow up? He's the same size he was last year. Now think about it. What about in your life? Is Jesus the same size in your life as he was last year, or have you grown in your faith? Have you grown in your understanding? Have you grown in seeing? You know what? He's so much bigger and greater and magnificent than I ever realized. You see, beloved, he's no longer in that manger, and can I just tell you, he's no longer on the cross, and he's no longer on the tom- in the tomb. He's alive. He was saying about it earlier. He's alive forevermore. And He's coming again. Do you know Him? See, so He came for you. He came for me. Because we sin and our sin separates us from a holy God. But He loves us. He says, listen, I want to bring you back into a right relationship. I'm going to come. I'm going to robe myself in flesh. I'm going to live a perfect life. I'm going to let them take me voluntarily. I'm going to lay down my life and be beaten and bruised and nailed to a tree and... Die in your place because I love you that much. They're going to lay me in a tomb, but then I'm going to rise again. And he's alive forevermore. And friend, if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ, he will save you. And it's the greatest gift ever given. It's the greatest gift you could ever hope to receive, eternal life. And it can be yours today. Trust him. Turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ. Two points down. One to go, it's the shortest one you'll be glad to know. A simple Christmas is not always easy. That first Christmas wasn't. A simple Christmas doesn't always go the way we imagined it. I'm sure that first one didn't for Mary and Joseph. But the third thing is this a simple Christmas, a simple Christmas is all about the one who laid in that manger. It's all about him. You see, as much as we enjoy them, and I do too, our focus must move away from decorations and gifts and food and fun. As great as they are, it needs to focus and center upon the Lord Jesus. He came to live his life for us, to die for us, to take our sin upon himself. In humility, he stepped into this world of sin. And he was rejected and betrayed and crucified because he loves us. Now, here's the question. And you have to answer it yourself. Don't answer it out loud. But in your own heart, let me ask you a question. What part does Jesus have in your Christmas celebration? What part does Jesus have? You realize it's his party. We're celebrating his birth. So what part does he play? It may be if we're going to have a simple Christmas, we're going to have to strip away some of the wrappings and trappings of our celebrations and spend more time with the Savior. Let me ask you, what would a simple Christmas look like for your family? It's interesting, so far as we've been celebrating, my wife knew we were doing this whole theme, and we've even said a couple times about certain things. We say we're going to, we're going to, simple Christmas. We're going to cut back on that. A simple Christmas. What would that look like for you? What would that look like for your family? I mean, I want you to get to the end of this and not be like Alexandra Kuykendall, fed up with Christmas, done with Christmas, just shoving stuff in a box, put it away, I don't want to do it anymore. We don't want to get there. So what does it look like for you to simplify matters a little bit? Maybe it would mean for you a little less running and more praying. Uh, Maybe for you it would be a little less spending and maybe a little more giving. Maybe less worrying and and more worship. See, the reason this last point is the shortest point, because I can't finish it. Only you can What does it look like for you? What does it look like in your family? I can't answer that for you. But I pray you'll answer it. I pray that you'll go to the one that we're celebrating and ask for his input and say, Lord Jesus, what needs to be altered in my Christmas this year? What do we need to change? What do we need to tweak? What do we need to do so that we really are focusing upon you? And your birth. And your goodness. And your grace. What do I need to do to really make sure that Christmas is all about you? Because can I just remind you today. Christmas. It's all about him. It's all about him. Now I know that's not true for most of the world. But it ought to be true for the Christians. Christmas is all about Christ. What do you need to do to have a simple Christmas? Would you bow in prayer? While your head's bowed and your eyes are closed, what's God speaking to you about today? You you to be saved today, we'd love to share Christ with you. Christian, take a moment. Think about this question. Where does Christ fit in your celebration? What could you do? What could you change? Talk to him about it for a moment and let him guide you. Father, thank you for this account of the very first Christmas. Thank you for the lessons that we're learning as we study it. Thank you for the willingness of Mary and Joseph to surrender to your will for their life. Take charge, I pray, of this invitation. If anybody here does not know you, I pray this will be the moment where they turn from their sin and place their faith in Christ. And then, Lord, help us to take a real, hard, honest look at our lives and see if anything needs to change so that we really do have a Christ-focused Christmas. We ask this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning for this part of the service. We'll be baptizing here in just a moment. 188, it came upon the midnight clear. The altar is open if you'd like to come and pray. If we could pray with you, we'd love to do that. Others would be happy to pray with you if you need to be saved. you just want to come and pray on your own, we leave that to you in the Lord. But 188, as we stand together, the altars open. It came upon a midnight day.